Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Volrath Feed. I'm your host, Rich Rupp, product trainer and chef here at the Volrath Company. And I'm joined, as always, by our co-host and best producer in the business, Justin Pearson. Hey, Justin. <laughs> hey, Rich. How are you today? Doing well. Hanging in there anyway. Looking forward to a beautiful day after work today, getting out and doing some stuff. So, Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're getting out of town for a little bit. That's Yeah. It's always nice enjoying the, the waning bits of summer. Right. Right. You know, and for everyone, as much as Justin and I enjoy doing this, we really enjoy hearing from all of you, and it's uh, always fun to get those emails. So please, if you have any thoughts or suggestions or anything at all about the show, please let us know. You can find us at volrathfoodservice.com slash the feed. Just let us know what you think or what you want to hear about or any thoughts at all about the feed or any thoughts, I guess, on anything. Yeah. Yeah, we'll talk. doesn't have to be food service related. We'll talk about anything with you. There we go. Well, today on the show, we have a good show coming up again, as always, I feel, on the feed here. Alex Adler, who is the co-founder of a Mexican kitchen in California called Puesto. And he is, uh, they've got nine locations, I guess, at this point. And uh, it's one of those restaurants started out um, kind of a family thing and just grown from there. And they've become wildly popular, successful. They've been recognized with many awards. So, It'll be fun to talk to him, and, and a family business for me will be kind of a fun thing to hear about too. So, yeah, you've got a lot, a lot in common there, and I'm sure you guys can share a lot of the successes and, and commiserate about, uh, you know, some of the the hangups and the challenges, unique challenges when you're working with family. Oh, the dynamics, family <laughs> dynamics, and, and then you put put it into a pressure cooker. Kind of <laughs> fun there, with a little bit of a, but really, it, it, it's a pressure environment, and. You know, things sometimes you have to have a short memory, I think, in the restaurant business and especially working with family. Oh, yeah. And he certainly has made it work because expansion, he's been able to to move out into mm-hmm. various different applications. So it, it, I'm really looking forward to to hearing how how that dynamic has, has worked for them and how he's been able to leverage the positive sides of working with family. Right. What what I was saying, like the the short memory, what happens at work really, truly does have to stay at work. Because if you take your work and you bring it home, you you just keep that you just keep that thing going and it it, it doesn't work. You know, the, the little disagreements, the arguments or the just differences of opinion, however you want to call it at work. If you allow those to come into the personal side of life then you know, you're just always stuck in that kind of stuff mm-hmm. and that's just you can't let it happen and people who are successful in the, in the business i think do a good job of keeping those two things separate yeah you just have to have a short memory whether or not you're working with family because oh, true yeah but it's amplified that much more you're right absolutely because mm-hmm. it, it'll burn the best of us out that's right my parents i think always did a pretty good job as a kid i can remember a couple of times where i can remember in in our home uh, discussions or disagreements about the restaurant would come up, but then I think they they realized pretty quickly it's got to stop. And and mm-hmm. you know my parents were thirty six years old. They bought a restaurant. Neither one had really any experience in owning a restaurant. My dad had a lot of years running kitchens and being kind of the manager of the entire restaurant, but never really was the the owner of the place. So it was a, a lot of those types of things that. They learned along the way, and my mom, she you know, had no thoughts of ever being in the restaurant industry. She was um, housewife and uh, 
worked part time at, at some other local businesses, but never in the restaurant industry. So my dad comes home and says he bought a restaurant. Um, <laughs> she was thrust into the industry, so there was a lot of learning going on and um, and stress and starting a new business, three kids. Yeah, that's got to be crazy just to like one day all of a sudden you have a new career <laughs> without yeah. your prior knowledge. <laughs> oh, she she would talk all the time about our kitchen, our dining room table became her office and she'd have, you know, the bills laid out kind of on the table, who needed to get paid when. And they were, they were hand to mouth in the beginning. They had, my mom will tell the story. They had three kids going to school and when they opened the doors to the restaurant, get this, $100 to their name. Mm. They had a house payment. They, I don't know if they had a car payment, but they had a house payment. They had a kid, they had three kids. Now they open a restaurant and they're starting payrolls. They're starting to buy opening inventories. And after they did the initial inventory at $100, they kept just for a little bit of money. And they had Is that to make what it was go. in the till then? <laughs> Maybe that was their feed for the night. I don't know. Their, their seed money in the till. I don't know. But that's what she said, a hundred dollars. Wow. Well, and still going strong. I mean you're Yeah. Forty what, two years later now. Hmm. Yeah. Speaking of uh spending a lot of time together, you know, uh you and I have been spending a lot of time together. Oh yeah. Uh, from filming webinars and, and various other photo shoots and projects. Uh, oh, we've had a couple of beers together recently yeah, at uh, yeah. one of our local uh, craft breweries, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've been spending a lot of time together. The most recent one we did, uh, the frozen custard one. Uh, that you was, liked that one, didn't you? I, well, yeah, come on. <laughs> <laughs> frozen custard just really is a different experience than soft serve or ice cream. And, and for those who haven't tried it, it's it's worth it. Um, I remember the first time I heard about frozen custard, and the first thing I was told is like, "Oh, it has eggs in it," and you're just like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the egg yolk for the emulsifier, and it, it's very different. Did you ever hear about it when you were in Idaho? I don't recall. I don't recall. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you knew of custard, but that was just like a completely different thing. Now you're thinking of like a like a pudding, almost a cut. Right, that exactly. Type of custard, yeah, not a frozen yolk, custard. A, mm-hmm. a, or, custard filled donut or something like yes, that. Yes, yes. Yeah, when I when I moved to Wisconsin, that was my first experience with frozen custard. Mm. You know, recently now with some successful chains that have taken it beyond the Midwest, uh, it's becoming more popular in other areas of the country and with good reason. I mean, it's it's a premium product. The taste is and the texture, the mouthfeel just so different than soft serve and hard pack. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of a lot of subtleties there. You mentioned one, the egg yolk. Second, like the little higher temperature. Frozen mm-hmm. ice cream, when you put that in your freezer, you're eating it and it's down at zero. Custard, we probably served about 18. When you have colder products, it kind of anesthetizes your taste buds. So that little bit of warmer product really helps you taste the, the flavors much easier when it's a little bit warmer, subtlety, but it's there. Yeah, your your casual user of frozen treats doesn't really realize is mm-hmm. just think, oh, it's frozen, you know. But no, you're you're absolutely right. When something's super cold, you don't taste it as well as when it raises a couple degrees and mm-hmm. really open up some of those flavors. And yeah. I was really blown away with like the fact that a frozen custard machine is so much different than say like a soft serve machine. 
because it you know really has to be to preserve the the quality and integrity of of the product. Well, it's that slower churn. It's not like you're holding it, and you really want to make it fresh. For again, the flavor is so much better when it's served fresh. Once mm-hmm. you let it sit for a bit, like other ice creams can be, just not quite as good. You know, the only downside, I was kind of chuckling to myself here as we were just talking about that, to that higher temperature. When I was a kid, there was a place in Milwaukee, Cops Custard, been there forever. Oh, yeah. Really, yeah. really well known. And I went there and, you know, I liked my ice cream when I was a kid. So I ordered like the big cone, whatever, whatever that is. And if you're in the restaurant industry, you learn to eat quickly. You know, mm-hmm. when you've got a break, it's time to eat. You, you, and, and there's a lot of people who are in our, our industry that are kind of known in their family circles as the one who is going to be done first. You just can eat faster. It's a bad <laughs> yeah. habit, but it's, it's very <laughs> common. But um, so as a kid, I remember getting this large cone at, at Cops. And, you know, when you're starting at 18 rather than zero, you're already, you know, warmed up quite a bit. So now you have probably six inches on top of the, top of the cone of custard. And they pile it on pretty good. They're kind of known, as I said, for this custard. And again, in the summertime, you've got warmer temperatures. I had to give up. I couldn't eat it fast enough. It was down my arm. It was dripping <laughs> on the floor. Uh, so if there's one downside to to that temperature, it's it's about, you know, you're a little bit closer to the melting point of it. And I remember that every time I drive by cops, I remember that standing in their parking lot thinking to myself, there's no way I can eat this before it all melts. It just was so... <laughs> Such a big cone. I'll never do the, that size again either. It was it was huge. That brings up an interesting point of like, I used to, yeah, I used to like cones and waffle cones and sugar cones and and cake cones. But uh, as I get older, I, I'm just like, yeah, just give it in a dish, you know. Oh. Yeah, I, I just basically for that reason, I, I'm not going to like scarf it down like I once did. You know, I'm going to yeah. have a little bit more time to enjoy it and not worry yeah. about the mess. I think my change with age has come just to order the smaller cone. But yeah, I, yeah, I still love a waffle cone. A homemade waffle cone, to me, that is, that's really good. That adds to the whole experience. So instead of the you know, gargantuan six-scoop <laughs> one that I tried to eat that time, usually now it's a one-scoop. Usually a one-scoop in a waffle cone, that's my thing. We modify it with our experience and age, right? <laughs> right, right. So, but yeah, no, you're, you're hundred percent right. Custard is just, it's so different. And there's so many subtleties. We talked about the temperature. We talked about the way it's made in the machine, the, the eggs, the fat content, the lower air content. You ever go to ice cream or to uh, someplace and get a, a cone and it almost tastes fluffy? Oh yeah. 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 yeah that, that's just air. That they, they put so much air into it to give you the volume. If you let that melt down, it probably is a, maybe a quarter or half the size of what it was frozen with custard you don't have as much air it's just a whole different mouthfeel it's very dense uh very creamy that higher milk fat it's just good yeah yeah (laughs) well it's just good stuff i don't know if you've seen in the news recently but apparently one of the larger qsrs is being investigated by the ftc for soft serve machines that aren't necessarily working the way they should (laughs) Right. But it's not, I don't think it's McDonald's that's get, getting the scrutiny. I think it's the manufacturer of that machine, right? Sure. Yeah. 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 You know, the, well, 
why are they always breaking down? Why are they so hard to fix? You know, it, it seems like uh, there's a mm-hmm. bottleneck there for sure. Well, there's so. a tracker that someone developed, didn't they? Yeah. Uh, online that you can right. actually find out which restaurants are running product. <laughs> Boy. That's that's a useful tool, you know. Well, it, it certainly opens the door. Hey, yeah. hey, McDonald's, come take a look. Yeah, browse around. That's right. Know, to check it out, and I'm sure that we have something that can fit your needs. Without a doubt. Well, <laughs> maybe we could convince them just to switch over to custard. <laughs> oh, wow! You see, that's the thing with custard, though. It is kind of a premium product. That's why the chains that we deal with right now, the, the two, the Shake Shack, we was one of our really good customers in Culver's. They're more of a premium quick serve kind of, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There's there's your McDonald's quick serve type, and then there's these more premium. And that's where custard lends itself because it is that freshly made, more of a premium product that fits in with that style. Maybe a little sure. easier than some of the other yeah. quick serves. Well, yeah, you know, it does fit into that model where you go to an establishment and you have this expectation of, you know, there's going to be a little bit of weight because my stuff is being made Mm-hmm. When I order, you know, for everything from my burger to my fries to whatever. Uh, so it only makes sense that my frozen treat, my custard, is is going to be uh, treated the same way. Mm-hmm. That's another one of those changes maybe that's come with age, right? That we're yeah. more accepting. We know we're going to drive up, which is, you know, still the way we prefer to do it probably. And then we're going to just pull off to the side with that ticket hanging on our window. And mm-hmm. when it's ready, they're going to come and give it to us. And it's going to be more of a freshly made premium tasting product than one yeah. that's at the ready always in the in the sandwich slide that waiting for a car to drive up. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree with you. That is something that I, I, I don't mind waiting a little extra longer to get something that is uh, you know quite a bit higher quality. Mm-hmm. Well, today... It's going to be fun to talk to our guest on a couple of levels there. We're talking about restaurants, and of course, we always like to talk about that, and anything in the food service industry is a focus for us, but he will be fun because I, I think that family dynamic is going to be there. We'll, we'll have some discussion, I hope, on that and how that's worked for them. The fact that they've grown, you know, they mm-hmm. started something, and he was 19 when they started their first restaurant. He's one of the co-founders. And, you know, maybe hear some of those discussions that they had about that initial restaurant. Right. Well, I'm also really excited to hear about the different applications that they've been able to tweak their model so they can fit. You know, being mm-hmm. having that flexibility to, say, work your menu and downsize it to fit like in a stadium or something like that. You know, the decision from being in the restaurant industry, I know my dad talked a lot about when he had his first his restaurant that they bought when they were 36. Then, when was it? About uh, 1988. From They purchased his first his place in 1979. The decision to go to another location. You know, they, they made that decision and they expanded. And I think with that decision, you learned a lot. You learned a lot about dividing your time and how that has to go, dividing staff. You know, there's a lot of benefits that came from it, but yet there were some challenges as well. And I'm, I'll be interested to hear from Alex how they looked at some of those challenges and and what they were able to, how they put it together or how they discussed who would do what. You know, there's always that divide as well, not with another business. So a lot of good stuff I think we have coming here with our guest today. So what do you think, Justin? It's time we, we bring on Alex and... Let's do it. I am ready at the drop of hat to talk about tacos <laughs> anytime anytime oh that's Bring right you, 
This is your this is your uh, one of your favorites. Oh, easily, hands down. Yeah. All right, all right, Justin. Well, I think you know we really should get to our guest. I think it's time. We've uh, done a lot of our front end here, and let's let's just get to Alex. So once again, everyone, Alex Adler, who is the co-founder at Puesto. Alex, welcome to the Volrath feed. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, great to be on the show. Great to meet you guys. I'm excited to chat. Yeah, no, thank you. We we really appreciate you uh, taking the time today and talking a little bit about your front side of the show. I'm from a family business as well, a family-run restaurant. We had a lot of discussion and, you know, your story is, is really, you know, pretty cool. You guys, um, you were, what, 19 years old and decided uh, you were going to open a restaurant with some brothers, right? That was That's kind of cool. Did you guys have experience in the business before or was this just a thing you always dreamt about or how that come about? Yeah, yeah, so I... My, uh, I was fortunate to be the youngest of three, three boys. Um, they had finished college, both of them. One had finished a MBA, really searching for what, the, the oldest one searching for what he wanted to do. Um, and that's, you know, Puesto was really born out of our take as a guest and a foodie and an avid diner and how we wanted to experience a restaurant and then how we wanted to experience Mexican cuisine, which... We are Mexican-American. Our parents are from Mexico. Um, it was very dear to our heart. And on top of that, we had we all had a similar experience where our friends always, you know, after school, everyone's wondering where you want to go eat, et cetera. Everyone always wanted to come to our house. It was the best <laughs> meals. Um, Mexican food at that time still hadn't become what it is now in the United States. Uh, so it really created a hole in the market. And then on top of that, to double down was with tacos, where tacos in 2011, when we started making the concept, uh, were a thing of, they were just an afterthought. People thought tacos had to be cheap. They had to be sold, you know, out of a, out of a puesto, which puesto actually means a street cart in Mexico City. So out of a puesto on the corner um, and literally, you know, using the scraps of meat, using pre-bought tortillas, just poor ingredients. Uh, so that opened up tying together Mexican cuisine and tying together tacos, which we saw underserved to creating the concept of Puesto uh, and working alongside my brothers, my senior year of high school, we started. So are these family recipes then that you're serving in the restaurant? It's a mix. Uh, we obviously bring in some family ties and connections to, to the food that we serve and, and the vision, but we also have a chef partner who is from Mexico city and was actually doing the food that we envisioned um, in regards to tacos, he was doing these high-end uh, catering events, parties, and it was the first time we had really seen a taco party or, or a taquisa <laughs> done with white tablecloth, good ingredients, just everything you would see with, you know, if it was Italian, if it was Japanese, whatever cuisine it was, you would already see that and you would expect it. So when you saw that and, and we, you know, we put two and two together and really his food resonated with it, with the people, and you see people loving and enjoying it. So it it just clicked. Put them put the that food in a brick and mortar and and get going. It's good to see the tacos. You know, the humble taco is getting the elevated experience. You know, the ambience, the all the things that you expect in other fine dining establishments. And I I've had blue corn tortillas before, and I you know I love them. And I. Personally, I think that aesthetically really lends itself to to what your guys are doing. Uh, where did the decision come to to to, uh, to use that as as your primary vessel? I think it's it comes to you know we want to be 
a higher end done well great ingredients and part of that's your tortilla your tortilla is literally it's like a you know the bread on a sandwich if you have poor bread the sandwich is done um tortilla mm-hmm. i would argue is even more complicated because the moment it leaves you know the kamal where they're making it if it gets cold immediate so you got to think through everything the things that the things that most people would never imagine when it comes to making tacos the tortilla if it's a cold plate literally by the time they're done assembling the taco it will be cold um and then blue corn on top of that's even more delicate to work with but part of it is that we you know part of the concept and, and where we source from we wanted non-gmo it all goes back to the flavor i don't care if it's yellow white red corn or blue it's just what what we think fits the recipes and the concept the best and what tastes the best which for us was the blue corn and sourcing that and getting that all over california um and even using that right now at petco park and levi stadium uh in the bay area like we it's just part of the brand at at its core is you know stretching the the limits of where fresh made handmade fresh tortillas can be made and even on site at a sporting event um that's just what we that's literally us like pushing things that even even the stadiums would be like oh what like you want to (laughs) make fresh made hand pressed tortillas at the moment in a game while everyone's going through, you know, the stretch. And then on top of that, make a Cadillac margarita using a top, you know, Altazor or one of the top tequilas in the world and using Grand Marnier that's on draft and, and has been made and designed, you know, at a sporting event, people are just blown away. Um, but that's that's kind of how we, we run and who we are at the core. Well, that actually jumps right to one of my, my big questions was scaling for different applications, you know, I, I would assume that maybe it might be a little bit different menu in a stadium atmosphere than than um, one of your other brick and mortars. Um, what what was that process like? I mean, it, I, I'm super glad to hear that you're not compromising on integrity and quality of ingredients. Um, that had to have been a really challenging thing to do initially, and I bet there was a lot of learning opportunities along the way. What can you, can you go through that process a little bit? Yeah, I mean, I would say that we we created the menu based on what made sense for both parties in regards to which taco we're going to serve. Some are more expensive, some are more in line with their food costs and where they want to be. But at the end of the day, these are opportunities that we will pass on if we have to sacrifice anything in regards to the brand. Because we mm-hmm. see it as, as it may not be, you know, Petco Park is run by, by the company that, that operates the stadium, while Levi Stadium is run by us. So each one's a little different, but it doesn't matter if it's us or them running it. If it's not up to our standard, um, we're just not going to do it, which I think the biggest takeaway from this is how much we're teaching them. Mm. Um, you know, they, they're learning a lot because we're getting into a world where it doesn't matter if you're at a stadium, if you're at the movie theater, wherever you are, people want more just thoughtful food and also mm. better ingredients, just everything across the board that is better quality. So stadiums, you know, we're fortunate that San Diego was and the Petco Park was leading the charge on this, bringing in local vendors instead of using, you know, the, the typical hot dog stand, et cetera. They have a bunch of great local restaurants. And the gentleman who started it there actually has been doing it in a lot of stadiums now. So the trend's happening. Um, so they're more open than you would think. They just don't know the first thing about how to how to do it and what it takes. And, <laughs> you know, obviously you sacrifice on food costs, but. At the end of the day, as a brand, we've always seen it as if we're gonna char- if we need to charge more, we will, but we're never gonna serve something that we're not proud of. So mm-hmm. 
that's how he approached the stadiums too. Very cool. You saw you've mentioned brand a few times already in this conversation. Are you the marketing guy for the organization, or do you? And I'm curious as to kind of the roles that you you and your brothers play in this. Is I'm fascinated, obviously, by the whole family dynamics of these things. Um, so is is that is that your role? Are you the marketing guy? Yeah, I, I think with anything, it's important to start splitting. <laughs> Who's going to do what? Um, yeah, you you learn that fairly quickly. So I mean. For me, I focus mostly on the brand and marketing and everything that's going on in that world. Um, I also focus on food vendors, liquor vendors, pretty much anything that has to do with the guest experience, whether it's where we're sourcing from, what's touching the table, how is it touching the table, um, our service and hospitality, and then how are we positioning ourselves, uh, our guests and our audience. That's my world. I overlap a bit with my oldest brother. Uh, he focuses on that. He also focuses more on the advertising side in regards to print. I would do more digital. And then my other brother is on all the nitty gritty of hiring, staffing, headcounts, budgets, um, bonus structures, et cetera. All, all the things that, that, you know, these past two years of, or almost two years of COVID have been the biggest pain. Yeah. <laughs> um but but you know he's yeah he's on it i think the month of august we hired uh 17 managers so wow. i mean yeah it's it's been pretty wow. impressive you started as we said at 19 with the the restaurant but did you have experience like i know you were in the forbes one of 30 under 30 to watch and, and one of the things in that article is we had you spent some time at facebook and google was that all prior to the restaurant then the same period uh, i oh, went wow. to you were busy yeah, I was in New York. I went to NYU. I uh, used that time to to really just get to know the industry a little better and know my, my role in the company, which my role was a lot of advertising, marketing, brand, building it. Um, so that was really the most important thing. So during that time, I was at Google. I was at Facebook. I worked at El Molino for a bit, um, a great group out of uh, Italian group in the United States. I worked with them. I I really just saw all these experiences while I was in New York City as a way to just grow my my bank um, and knowledge bank and and just fine tune everything that that I could bring to plus. I, the restaurant industry, I always tell people, you know, it'll take every moment of your time if you let it. So there's enough to do. There's more than enough to do. So you did that on top of your other jobs that you were you were doing. Wow, that's impressive. Yeah, I, I'm fortunate to. I mean. You really can't get into any business unless you have a very, with your family, unless you have a very strong tie. So I'm fortunate, <laughs> you know, enough to be with my brothers. My brothers for us, everyone would always say, "Do you guys fight? Do you guys argue?" We don't fight. We don't argue. If we argue or fight, it's about a one minute conversation, and it's like nothing happened. People would be confused. They'd be like, "How'd you get over it no, so fast?" We're lucky, brothers. Yeah. Yeah, that that's one thing that uh, Rich always says. Like, you, you got to have a, a short memory, and you got to leave things. You know, at work and especially when when it's family and uh, I really like what you guys did initially was establishing roles it's not like there's you know everybody's doing everything because you know, that will quickly lead to more arguments but uh, defining roles and you know kind of like having your own lanes you know and uh, so do you guys talk a lot of shop outside of work or do you just leave it there completely uh, we're, we're at year 10 in February so I think part of that and part of part of our goal is to be able to, to at least let Saturdays or Sunday or whatever day it is be no work. Um, mm-hmm. Don't even talk about it unless the 
one of the restaurants is on fire, like we don't even want to hear about it. <laughs> yeah, um, right. We're fortunate enough to be at a point where we have a strong system. Uh, we have a lot of general managers. We have directors. We, ha- we have this base of, of over a thousand team members now. So wow. we can step away for a bit and, and kind of just recharge and, and and also allow you know our relationship as brothers to, to be normal as well can't all it can't be all work especially as mm-hmm. we grow older and everybody has their family and we you know it's an easy time to start separating but but we we stay very close with with the growth that you had um you you are is it nine restaurants now or, or cleaning the stadiums it would be is yeah it nine? we we have nine plus the stadiums Plus, okay. we're doing an Italian concept that we'll be launching hopefully by the end of the year. So, thinking back on your first rest, your first opening, and then looking at the second opening, which one of those would you say was harder? Was it the first one when you were getting things up, or was that the, the decision to go and to open the next location? Was that the hardest? I think our for us it's a little unique because Puesto was actually born out of a fast casual concept. We you know we saw this this vision of you know the, the catering events that he was doing our chef and wanted to apply that into in 2012 you know chipotle was it's huge now back then it was a novelty and everyone was saying wow this is the next big thing so we, we really played on the chipotle cava piata all these great concepts model and, and created the mexican version of that where we were making the tortillas fresh then you had your plancha when you pretty much order you had your plancha chef for yourself and you would see that person making everything for you, and then it would go down the line and be garnished, et cetera, et cetera. You pay it then. So that is where Puesto began. Then uh, restaurant number two came. It was bigger, great location, and you know we again inexperience takes you into the world of you know I, I can operate it this way, I can do it that way. Yep. Maybe we try doing fast casual on one side and then doing full service on the other side. What were we thinking? I don't know. <laughs> and then we started like that for a bit, but then it quickly transitioned to people like drinking with Mexican cuisine. It's just a fact. Our bar was very strong. And on top of that, the downtown San Diego demographic wasn't looking for a fast experience. They were looking to sit, drink, be taken care of. So the whole restaurant became full service. And then that's how it all started to unfold, where our first location that was 2,000 square feet suddenly took the next two spaces next door and just kept growing and becoming a full service as well. And Puesto, you know, for four years in became full service completely. Okay. Yeah. That's always a, a I think um, a fun question to ask people that have expanded because there's that process you go through of learning some of, some of that stuff and you have to go through it to learn it. You have to figure it yeah. out. It's just a process. And then from there, it's almost, does it become a little bit more of a cookie cutter from that point? Or is there always this kind of, I wish I could tell you in regards to the, to the concept and build outs that we are as polished as a Shake Shack, uh, where it's, you know, the, the tables come from this bowling alley in New York that uses recycled wood. Like, I wish we were at that stage, <laughs> but we just, I mean, we see every space as unique and every space has its own identity, its own audience, et cetera. So, mm-hmm. I mean, for better or worse, we really, we really do transform each space embracing Mexico city. Um, and the, the look and appeal so that people are really teleported and have that feeling of escapism when they come to Puesto. But each space is unique and has a different design, different cost. The build-outs vary. That said, I mean, we, we do streamline the, the details as much as possible. But, yeah, it's not... The only thing cookie-cutter is when we pivot in regards to 
produce or things like that. That's about it. Do you have a favorite establishment, whether it be the the look or feel or the vibe of it or, or the, all your children and you can't choose a favorite? <laughs> no, no. Uh, I would say favorite. They're all great. They all have a unique identity, but our downtown San Diego location, number two, um, it's just you can't – there's things you can't make and make a feeling even if you try. So mm-hmm. it's based in a old police headquarters. That was oh, converted cool. into a shopping center and, a, you know, a local shopping center with great tenants. And that space, you know, we, we really embraced the identity of the police station. Left a lot of the details. It's historic, so you couldn't do as much. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, it was number two. It was really where Puesto, the identity of being full service, was born. Uh, it's also our sales-wise, it's our strongest store. Not per seat, but still sales-wise, it's it does some amazing numbers. And it's probably the store that most people will recognize Puesto by. It's the store that's had former presidents. It's the store that it gets all the athletes. It gets, it gets everybody. Wow. That's, that's fun to have something like that where you have that kind of history. You're, you're building on every day, every day, right? It's something that uh, keeps going. So, Alex, you've had some really good growth, and we've, you've talked about your, the different, each one being a little bit different. So where, where do you guys see yourselves going? Do you, do, you, do you like the area that you're in, just kind of continuing to – stay in that Southern California space? Or are you looking at, you know, moving out beyond that? Or how, how do you guys approach growth right now? Or what are you looking at? Yeah, I, as a company, you know, being family owned, we, we've always taken everything very organic. Uh, things come up, deals, locations. Um, we look into them. If it makes sense, it makes sense. But we've never really been on a crunch. We're not, we're not the type of group who's get to 20 units and sell out. That's not us. So it makes it a lot easier in, in that sense that, you know, we have a lot of locations. We have a lot to do. We, we're we always saying that we need to polish what we have. So we're in no rush. So I, I do see potentially if we do open anything, I'll be out of state. Um, that'll be next. We, we have, you know, we're in San Diego. We're in Orange County. We're in Huntington Beach. We are in Anaheim. We are in the Bay Area outside in San Francisco. Um, we have a strong holding on California, obviously, LA could be a place, but it's just, it's very difficult. California is a very difficult place to work um, in our industry. We, we, you know, we feel it every day. And we, you know, we, we've, it's nice getting all those emails, texts, everyone just saying, please open up in our area, please open up in, in Utah, please open up here, please open up there. So maybe it's that time that we explore that. Interesting. Well, it's, it's good that you hear it or hear from you, though, that you are not driven by, like you said, getting to a certain amount and then trying to sell out. You guys have pride in it yet. You've being family owned, you have a lot of pride in every aspect of the business. That was one thing I always felt too, like in a family business, everything that people see when they come through the door, somehow you, you feel responsible for, right? You, you want to make sure it's right. Yeah. I think the family feeling is, is one of the big perks where people know they can call us anytime we work directly with you know, we, we touch every store in regards to how, you know, we work with them, all the decisions that are made, you know, everyone here has a voice and that, I think that's, what's important. You know, if this is a, this is not a place for, for managers, directors to come and, and think, you know, we have a playbook and that's how it's going to be. Um, because we, we really focus on hiring people with amazing experience who can come and even teach us things like we're, we're not perfect. We're learning. Um, I think that's the, the strength of Puesto and the identity that we built, that it's 
it's almost in iteration number three, I would say, where it started fast casual, it went full service. Now it's really being polished. With nine operations kind of spread out, I mean, California is a great place for, for getting local, but you're, you're, you are spread out. And, and how does, how local are you? Do you have like one supplier that ships out or are you local in San Francisco? Are you local in San Diego? What does that, what does that picture look like? Yeah. So we, a lot of our product comes from Mexico. Um, all our shrimp comes from Mazatlan. Our masa is coming from Mexico. Uh, variety. Our meats are coming from local companies in California. So pretty much we're picking companies that we can work with our whatever broadliner um, we're using. And then they are going to be piggybacking off the broadliner to deliver. Uh, but that said, it it's part of, you know, the deal of they don't have the capability of delivering it. And, mm-hmm. do, you know, doing this much volume for them is really a taking it to the next level. So they're super excited. So we, we create that partnership for them where they can have someone else that's delivering it to us um, and then streamline it where each market might have some flair when it comes to beer, et cetera. But when it comes to the meat, it's coming from one place in California. When it comes to the shrimp, it's coming from Mazatlan. When it comes to the, the, the sparkling water that hits the table, it's coming from Monterrey, Mexico. Those are, are really the details that, that we, we focus on. And then, I mean, elaborating on, you know, making impact. I mean, we, we do a lot of, a lot of volume. I, I would say we do about 5,000 guests a day average. So through that volume, we, we really feel that our voice can, can make the industry better. And part of that is working with our broadliners and having them pilot a program that we, we brought to them. They obviously, you know, they, they want to explore it. They, they don't want this time to come, but it's come. So we, we've eliminated um, all cardboard for, for deliveries. They're using wow. RPCs, which are collapsible containers that are, you know, can get 100 uses out of them or plus. It's a win-win for everybody. And then we're, pilot, we're piloting and creating the program for them, um, for these national brands, so that they can start rolling out with other people and create the case study where these containers are going through the cycle of being at the farm, going through the broadliner coming to us and then us clearing them out, getting them ready to go and starting the whole process again, um, which, you know, we've, we've done the, the study on it. There's money to be saved. There's obviously huge uh, in, influence on the environment to, to be saved and be considered. So I think those are the things that, you know, as a group, that's this location that people want to refer to as a chain, which we're, we're definitely not. And if we are, we're the modern group. Um, it's definitely places that we can make an impact. Well, that's great. I, I think um, how does how do the decisions come in that? Do you guys have a board meeting, or do you, do you all pretty much just line up? If somebody's got an idea, you get behind it and go. Or yeah, I, I would say being brothers, pretty similar upbringing. I would say <laughs> um, yeah. we 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 have faith in in everyone's decision. Obviously, we're we're all of that support that if someone has a question or wants to bounce an idea, they can. But that's kind of just how it goes. And on top of that, I mean, I can't even take credit for this. This comes from our, you know, one of our creative chefs who came up with the idea, wanted to run with it. And then now, you know, I'm, I'm here to support him however I can. Awesome. And obviously it's a great idea. So I, I want to help. Being in, in the business now for a number of years and, and learning about growth and everything, where do you, would you have some advice that you'd give someone that's either A, thinking of getting into the industry or B, is, is in the industry fairly new 
you know, the old saying of if I knew now what I, or what if I knew then and what I know now, anything like that that you could have a big moment of thinking of something I wish I'd have done differently or something I'd tell people not to do in the industry when they're either starting out or looking to get into it? I would say uh, it's correct to look at the industry as when you're starting, you know, think about the guests. What is the guest going to want? What do you want when you sit down and you're eating? What service do you want? I mean, I think that's the best view you can take. But I also think when it comes to restaurants, people often make the mistake that a restaurant is just a, it's a restaurant. It's a place people go and eat, but it's much more. I mean, I think that's what Plesto's become. We are, we are a part of each community that we are in. And when I say that, I mean, we sponsor Little League Baseball. We work with the Public School Foundation. We work with all, you know, some of the largest uh, sporting events and teams and stadiums in, in the United States. Um, it's really about, you know, it's getting past, obviously you need, you need to have the best food you can and serve, you know, what you want, but it's getting past that and realizing that your reach is much bigger than just the people that come in and how you can make an impact on, on, you know, your markets and your community much, much more than just the food. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, the, the most important, and I guess what will bring you the most excitement comes down to when you just focus on what you're doing is, you know, you bring people together and you make them happy. You bring them mm-hmm. in a plus though, like that, it, that's the bare minimum. If you can do that, like you're going to be, I mean, you're going to be happy. That's what they want. Exactly. So Alex, again, thank you uh, for taking the time to talk with us today. Uh, we really appreciate it. We know you're busy and um, we, we just really appreciate it. It was a lot of fun to, to uh, talk to you and, and hear about Puesto and what you guys did and continue to do. So thank you again for that. And we really uh, wish you the best of luck with everything going forward. And before we let you go, though, we try to get our guests to think of something that either a quote or something someone has said to them or they've read somewhere that um, continues to inspire you or continues to drive you. I mean, I, I think it depends what day you get me on. <laughs> a quote, I, <laughs> a quote I, I recently saw that, that is really fitting into the growth that we're going through. And, and again, not being able to, you know, you want to get everybody into the, the role and, and the track that they want to be on. But sometimes it's just not there and it's not available based on, you know, our growth pattern, how we're going. So, I mean, Richard Branson talks about how, you know, you want to train people well enough so they can leave but train them well enough so they don't want to. I think that's important. And that, I mean, that's a big focus on our 2022 goals, which is how we create that retention and that work-life balance that is often lost in this industry. Yeah, maybe, maybe get me next week, I'll have a different quote. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that's a good one. It, it's like a, a weird thing, I think, for an employee to feel like that you're, you're training them so well. And it's a trust that you're training them because you want them to be the best and you are trusting that they're going to want to stay with you. Uh, because of the culture and the, the way you've trained them and the, the way you do your business. But yet, on the other hand, if it should be someday that they leave, move on, you have a lot of pride in, in, in that as well, right? Yeah. Good deal. All right. Well, thanks again for everything today. We appreciate it. Wish you the best of luck and continued success. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Well, there we have it. Another great episode. And I'm, uh, I'm sure, Justin, I think uh, we've come to anticipate the next segment of our show. So, Nate... Give us our final thoughts on the, today's episode. Thanks, Rich. As always, I appreciate the chance to give my little wrap up here. But a great episode. I think that 
there were a couple things that really, really stuck out to me. The first was one of the more recent things that that Chef Alex said, which was focusing on food being more of an experience and everything it stands for outside of just being a meal, what you're providing to people and not forgetting that it's part of something bigger and taking a second to step back as a chef, as an owner, as an operator and thinking about what people are expecting from your establishment and how you provide that to them. And if you're stumped thinking about what you would want if you were in their shoes, I think that's a huge thing to keep in mind because it's really easy when you get sucked up in the day-to-day to all of a sudden have to worry about a thousand other things about when the delivery is coming, keeping equipment up to shape, keeping everything clean, getting people on the schedule, keeping people uh, happy at work. So many things to think about when you're running the place. It's important to never forget the importance of providing a good experience and giving people what they want. So I thought that was an excellent point. And also the focus on quality. A lot of our guests come in, especially the operators with that theme. You can have all these grand ideas and these grand plans for what you want your business to be. But if you're not putting the food first, if you're not putting ingredients first, if you're not putting hiring quality people first, the guest first, none of that stuff matters. And I think Alex had a really good grip on that. So just some some interesting tidbits. It was a, it was a fascinating conversation. To be able to do that with your family too, your brothers that's just outstanding and the fact that they're able to you know it's one thing to open a place but then to be able to expand with your family that's there's some really fantastic relationships that they have there Mm, agreed 100 percent. and nate thanks again for that uh you know you just got that ability to kind of bring it all together and put the bow on for us so thank you for your recap and justin any final thoughts Yeah, I would like to remind everyone to please, please hit that subscribe button so you never miss another moment with a chef or food service industry professional again. Right, and as always, as I say in the beginning of the show, let us know what you think. Reach out to us at valrathfoodservice.com slash the feed. And in my close, I'd like to just once again say, if you do everything as if a customer was watching you, you'd know you'd be doing it right. Thanks for listening, everyone. Have a great week ahead. Until next time, take care.